Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. An event titled the Southern Utah Clean Air Forum was held recently in St. George. It was billed as a discussion of proposed federal, state, and local legislation focused on reducing energy emissions to improve our health and our children's futures. As we head toward the opening of the Utah legislature next week, we're going to be talking on the program today about clean air and the climate with three of the panelists from that forum. And our guests include Dr. Yoram Bauman, who has a Ph.D. in environmental economics. He's a leader of the carbon tax legislation and is an author and comedian. In fact, he builds himself as the world's first and only stand-up economist. I want to follow up on that. Tom Moyer is the leader of Climate Utah, the state effort associated with Citizens Climate Lobby's federal focus. And Bill Barron is a former small business owner and Alta ski patroller and marshal who campaigned for federal office as a climate candidate and founded Utah's first Citizens Climate Lobby chapters. Now it's Mountain West Regional uh, Coordinator. And so as we're uh, getting our phone, uh, our guests on the phone here today, we welcome them in. Um, so I'm not sure who we have uh, available here uh, first up. Uh, hey, this is Bill uh, Barron on the line. Yes. Okay, we got Bill Barron with us. Tom, this is yeah. Tom Moyer. I'm okay. on the line as well. Okay, great. And I think we're getting uh, Dr. Bauman on on the phone. Uh, let me start with you, Bill Barron. You uh, you you ran for office as the climate candidate. Uh, tell me just a little bit about that experience, and uh, and uh, do you think you moved things forward with that? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I got involved with Citizens Climate Lobby in 2010 and would go to D.C. and lobby our members of Congress for climate action, supporting a specific bill proposal. And uh, two years later, I felt like uh, if I didn't run for office, that the conversation around climate wouldn't be in the the discussion. So I chose to run against Senator Hatch in 2012 to raise awareness to climate and to be advocating for a legislative proposal that now has been introduced as a bill a bipartisan bill in D.C. Uh, what is that proposal? It's uh, it's actually now a bill. It was, and I'm happy to say that it was just reintroduced about an hour ago. It's called the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act, and that was introduced in the House, uh, like I said, about an hour ago. It's a bipartisan bill. Uh, we have one Republican, Francis Rooney from Florida, and then six Democrats who. Uh, initially sponsored this bill today. All right. It's a bill that, go I don't ahead. know if you want me to go into details uh, about let, the bill, but I'm let's, uh, yeah, let's loop back to that uh, very briefly here. Uh, I want to bring in our other guests. So Tom Moyer, you're, uh, I understand, leader of Climate Utah, state effort associated with Citizens Climate Lobby's federal focus. That's correct. So we've been working on uh, legislation in the, U- the Utah legislature. And I'm also the state coordinator for Utah for Citizens Climate Lobby, so over seven chapters at CCL. Yeah, and we want to get into uh, some uh, some state legislation as well. Let me bring in Dr. Yoram uh, Bauman. Uh, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so I, I, I want to lead with this. You you describe yourself as the world's first and only stand-up economist. That's right. Uh, uh, I have a PhD in economics, but I actually make a living doing stand-up comedy about economics, mostly for uh, uh, colleges and corporate events. <laughs> that it seems to be an oxymoron. In fact, you uh, understand you're working to reform economics education. It's known in some circles as the dismal science. 
Uh, that's true. I do have a, I have a couple of cartoon books about economics and a cartoon book about climate change. And uh, the joke I usually share with folks is that when I told my father I was going to be a stand-up economist, he said that I couldn't. And I said, why not? And he said, because there's no demand. <laughs> and uh, and I no said, demand. don't worry, Dad, I'm a supply-side economist. Yeah. I just stand up and let the jokes trickle down. <laughs> For, right, see, there's, some, there's an example that uh, economics can be funny. Um, and I guess the, the, you're trying to make it accessible because it's important. And you're an environmental uh, economics uh, economist, I guess, working on environmental. Yeah, my so. focus areas are in, environmental economics and, and public finance, so things related to environmental taxation, things like that. Yeah. Uh, let me start with Bill Barron on this. I just want to go around the panel uh, briefly, just a, a broad uh, view. Um, so c- clean air, especially in Utah, uh, where are we? With, are we making progress? We, I think the, it hits the media uh, variably, uh, depending on how bad the inversion is, especially on the Wasatch Front. Uh, where are we generally, Bill Blair, Barron? Well, thanks for asking. Uh, I, you know, I, personally, I feel like we're making great headway in Utah. There's a lot of things that are moving, a lot of conversations. Uh, the, uh, the resolution that was passed at the state level was very uh, impactful. Uh, in changing the conversation and moving us from talking about the problem to really working towards solutions. For me specifically, um, I'm specifically focused on advocating for what's going on at the federal level, which is that bill I just mentioned, which is pricing carbon emissions and returning all revenue to households. And that certainly would have uh, an effect in uh, reducing um, you know, pollution, improving health, and saving lives that we all breathe. And so it's, uh, it's a very effective proposal, but it's more geared towards a broader federal level. Uh, let me ask the same question of you, uh, Tom Moyer. Where, uh, are we making progress? Where, where are the problem spots? So are you asking specifically about clean air, air pollution, or about climate change? Uh, uh, first of all, with, with clean air. Okay. So we are definitely making progress. Um, in terms of cleaning up Utah's air, the legislature did a great thing last year in subsidizing the conversion of the refineries to Tier 3 fuels. That's going to have big effects going forward. At the same time that we've been making progress on clean air, people's awareness of the, the harmful health effects of polluted air has also been going up. So people's perception, uh, you know, every time there's a, a day of a, a severe inversion, people uh, get really worried about the health effects. So the demand for the legislature to do something about clean air has been rising while we've been working on cleaning up our air. Uh, that's interesting. I want to follow up. Um, the, the demand has been rising, uh, and so I guess that produces uh, some, some results, hopefully. Why do you think that demand has been going up? Uh, just because people's awareness of the issue is, is getting stronger and stronger. Um, and at the same time, people's awareness of the, the risks of climate change have been going up as well. Mm-hmm. Increasingly, not becoming a partisan issue. That's interesting. I want to loop back to that uh, bipartisanship. I guess that's a focus of Citizens Climate Lobby. Uh, Dr. Bauman, specifically on on clean air, uh, is there progress being made, and then uh, where are the problems uh, areas? I think there's there's um, uh, perhaps slow progress being made, and and I should uh, confess that I'm I'm relatively new to Utah. We moved out here a year or two ago to be closer to my wife's family. Uh, she grew up in Kaysville. And I feel like there's a bit of a divide between folks like me who are relatively new and uh, uh, folks who have been around here for many decades. And uh, um, I, th- I think many of the folks who have been around here for, for decades tend to think that the 
pollution is just kind of inevitable and there's not a whole lot we can do about it. And those of us who are relatively new, you know, that, that was at the top of the list of concerns that my wife and I had before we moved, uh, moved out here. And um, uh, there's a lot more of an attitude that says, hey, this is a problem not just of geography, but also a problem of, of human emissions. And there are things that we can do about it. And let's, you know, let's, let's get on the horse and do stuff about it. So I'm delighted to see things like the, the governor's proposal for $100 million for, for clean air. Uh, it's probably going to take more than that. Uh, but it's a it's a step in the right direction in taking the problem seriously, uh, more seriously, I think, than it has been in, in the past. I want to follow up with this. So, so as you were looking at moving to Utah, you say clean air, the environment was was a consideration. What kinds of things did you look into? How did you go about well, uh, doing that? Yeah. Well, we have we have two young children, so uh, it was basically uh, a matter of you know we wanted to be close to the grandparents, but we also didn't want to live in a place that um, was going to negatively affect their development, and we you know don't like to walk around uh, when the air quality is bad ourselves. I mean, I, I lived in Beijing for five months uh, a few years ago, and um, uh, you know. Uh, here along the Wasatch Front, it's not as bad as Beijing, but it's uh, it's a problem, and it's a problem that we can do something about. And I think we need to, to to do more about it than than we have in the past. You know, there are now science scientific articles that that connect the air pollution to not just to asthma and things like that, but to miscarriages. And you know, this is a health issue; it's a family issue. And um, I think it's you know one of one of the top concerns that that people have who live around here. Uh, tell me about Beijing. That's interesting. You lived in Beijing. We've seen the we've seen the photos. Uh, it looks pretty bad. Uh, how was it? It was pretty bad. Uh, there were days. My my favorite story is uh, the Twitter feed from the U.S. Embassy would produce uh, air, air pollution readings, and then it would say, you know. It, you know, extremely unhealthy or unhealthy for for certain groups, and and then one day the Twitter the air pollution was really bad, and, and the Twitter feed ended up just saying crazy bad. <laughs> uh, and and the backstory behind that was that the folks who programmed the computer didn't think that air pollution would ever reach those levels, and so they just sort of had to throw something in there if it was over you know whatever it was six hundred parts per million or something, um, and and so they just put this crazy bad figure in there, thinking that it would never actually get that bad, but it uh, it was. It, it, it was very bad, and you know, you look at the research, and it costs uh, years of people's lives in China. And uh, we're learning that that it has um, significant impacts uh, on people's lives here in Utah, also. Uh, so, uh, one more about uh, China. What are people saying? And is the I assume the government is trying to do something? Yeah, it was a couple years ago when I was there, and. Um, it, I think that that um, well, there was a desire to take action on pollution issues. Uh, you have to remember that China is not exactly a, 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 a democracy, so it's a challenge about how to make that happen. But th- there's definitely pressure on on the leadership to to take action on that. At the same time, a lot of the steps that need to be taken uh, affect politically connected uh, individuals and businesses and. Um, you know, you have the same challenges there that that uh, perhaps that that we have in the U.S. on that, on that front through a, you know through the democratic system that we have. Mm. Back to Tom Moyer on this. Uh, we'll take a break and then uh, after after uh, 
finishing this part of the discussion, then we'll get into some solutions and uh, talk to Bill Barron, of course, about the, the, that uh, proposal uh, in, in the uh, National um, Congress. But Bill Moyer, um, as I mentioned before, I think this impresses itself upon more people's minds when it's especially bad. Uh, when it has been very bad here in Cache Valley, where I'm talking to you from, I've actually anecdotally heard people or talked to people who've talked to people uh, who talked about, I'm going to move away. Uh, you know, the air is just, just too bad. We've had a couple of years that aren't haven't been as bad, and I haven't heard that talk as much. But uh, this does have an effect, and I'm sure that's got to have an effect on the economy if people are talking about moving yeah. away. Yeah, there's no question. We've, we've had conversations with businesses who have told us they don't recruit here during the winter months because they can't get people from out of state to, to consider moving to Utah when the air's like that. So they, they defer all of their hiring until the air looks better. Interesting. So absolutely, that, that has an effect on people's willingness to be here. Yeah. Uh, Bill Barron, just to one more on this. Um, you're a small business owner, former small business owner. You were also up at uh, Alta. Um, and I wonder if this – do you hear those conversations? People uh, saying, well, I better not come – to ski this week because of the bad air, uh, or maybe I don't want to relocate here because of the, the bad air? And uh, if so, are those conversations changing? Uh, I, I think that the, uh, the, you know, as it seems as the years go by, the inversions get a little thicker and deeper, and uh, it's clear for anybody who goes up, for instance, to Alpha and goes skiing and gets up and out of the pop pollution to, uh, you know, come back down into the valley is very discouraging uh, during these inversions. And I think that it has definitely has an impact on people, you know, wanting to come and visit uh, based on the, the air quality that is happening here. And uh, as far as businesses go, I think that there, there definitely are businesses that look at, you know, what, what the air quality is like in this area, and it's, it, it can push them away from relocating here or creating a business here for sure well let's take a break when we come back let's look at some legislation that was the focus of the southern utah clean air forum we're talking with three of the panelists from that forum that was recently held in saint george and it was billed as a discussion of proposed federal state and local legislation focused on reducing energy emissions to improve our health and our children's futures and the utah legislature begins of course next week um congress is ongoing um, and we're going to talk about uh, some specifics when we come back. Our guests include uh, Dr. Yoram Bauman. He has a Ph.D. in environmental economics. Uh, he's an author and uh, comedian. Tom Moyer, leader of Climate Utah, the state effort associated with Citizens Climate Lobby's federal focus. And Bill Barron, who is a former small business owner, Alta Ski Patroller and Marshall. Uh, he ran for federal office as a climate candidate, and uh, he is now Mountain West Regional Coordinator for uh, citizens uh, Climate uh, Lobby. Before we go to break, I want to uh, plug a big event that uh, we're hosting in uh, Logan tomorrow night. It's coming up uh, tomorrow night, Friday night. Uh, this is uh, our Me Too Continues, a town hall panel discussion. We're talking about the Me Too movement and related topics. And this is a part of our UPR original series, Utah Women 2020. So we hope you'll come with your questions and comments, participate in the discussion. And uh, that is tomorrow evening, 6, 6 o'clock, 6 p.m., Lundstrom Student Center, 1295 East, uh, 10th North in Logan. Free parking, free pizza, 
and a great discussion, hopefully involving you, tomorrow evening, 6 o'clock here in Logan. More following this break. This week on This American Life, any fan of rom-coms will recognize this moment. I was immediately like more attracted to him than I'd ever felt attracted to anybody before. And this one? And he just so very lightly pressed his lips up against mine. Okay, but then, how about this one? My very own red, bloody handprint is on his white wall. Real Life Rom-Coms, that's this week. Saturday morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio. What does Utah Public Radio mean to you? You can answer that question by entering the annual UPR Art Mug Contest. We want to see your most creative interpretations and appreciations of UPR, our programming, or our station's home here in Utah. From now until Valentine's Day, we'll be accepting submissions, and then you'll all get to vote on your favorite design. The winner will be printed on this year's Spring Pledge Drive mug. For more details, go to upr.org, and to submit, just send your designs to me, katie.swain at usu.edu. Thanks for listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams. We're talking about clean air on the program. We're talking about the climate. And we're following up on an event called the Southern Utah Clean Air Forum that was held recently in St. George. It's billed as a discussion of proposed federal, state, and local legislation focused on reducing energy emissions to improve our health and our children's uh, futures. And we're talking with Dr. Yoram Bauman, who has a Ph.D. in environmental economics. He's a leader in carbon tax legislation. Tom Moyer, leader of Climate Utah, the state effort associated with Citizens Climate Lobby's federal focus. And Bill Barron, who is Mountain West Regional Coordinator for Citizens Climate uh, Lobby. Let me start with you, Bill Barron. Um, I, I paused you before uh, before talking about uh, a proposal in uh, in Congress. Uh, maybe we could get into this uh, right now. Energy innovation and carbon dividend act i think is what it's called yes that's correct it's uh it was introduced in the lame duck session uh at the in the house in november and then re uh and a companion bill was introduced in the senate in december uh and then of course uh when the uh 116th congress started here in january we needed to reintroduce the bill it has been reintroduced um and it's it's a really uh, effective bill. It's uh, geared to reduce emissions by at least 40% within 12 years. It has a goal of reducing emissions 90% of 2015 levels by 2050, uh, and that's accomplished uh, by putting a price on carbon emissions, returning all the revenue to households. The people, uh, the low- and middle-income households are protected from that by having a dividend to offset their increased fuel prices. This bill would be good for the economy, creating 2.1 million additional jobs over the next 10 years. Uh, like I said, it's uh, bipartisan, so both Republicans and Democrats are on board, which is key for us. We're an organization that's focused on building support for uh, mitigating climate change with support from both sides of the aisle and actually making climate a bridge issue with the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. This bill is revenue neutral, which means that all the fees collected on carbon emissions will be allocated to all Americans to spend any way they choose. Uh, that means that the government would not keep any of the fees collected and the size of the government would not grow. So we're really trying to gear a, a legislation that 
can have the durability that would come from getting support from both sides of the aisle. And we know that in order for us to pass effective legislation, we need to have something that can appeal in that way. And the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act, uh, we believe, I, when I say we, it's I'm speaking in, uh, in behalf of Citizens Climate Lobby and, of course, my own personal interests, uh, like you mentioned, I did run for federal office three times to draw attention to this basically pr- same proposal uh, when I started in 2010 uh, advocating, and now we're seeing this bill actually in play. And it's something that um, we really believe is is uh, a big part of how we can move forward on the climate issue and work with other organizations. And, of course, there's uh, numerous solutions that we need to put in play to address this issue. But carbon pricing is a big part of that, we believe. And uh, we work as an organization to build uh, support through uh, coming from common ground and building relationships with people and trying to understand what's, you know, their concerns around climate uh, and to address those in order to build broader support. And so we're, uh, we're really excited about this, and uh, we are working as well on getting a companion bill introduced in the Senate. Uh, that's going to take a little longer, um, should happen this summer sometime, but we are thrilled about the introduction of this bill and uh, we are working to raise more awareness for it uh, nationwide. Uh, I wonder, uh, so you say this is bi- your, your goal is bipartisan. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm reading here from GovTrack.us that um, um, a resolution in the House last July expressed kind of the opposite opinion here, that a potential carbon tax would be detrimental to the economy. Uh, do, do you, you do have Republican support, do you, for this resolution? Uh, yeah, so one of the beautiful things about that resolution that you're mentioning, that's Belize resolution, was there were actually Republicans that weren't in support of it in much larger numbers than the last time Scalise introduced that similar resolution before. Um, and as far as the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act that uh, was introduced in the lame duck as a bipartisan bill, and again, it was just introduced this morning um, with uh, Francis Rooney, is the Republican on uh, the bill as the co-sponsor, and he's in Florida's 19th district. He joined Ted Deutsch of Florida as well, the Democrat in the 22nd district, and then five other uh, Democrats. Uh, so it is a bipartisan bill already, and we know that uh, there are going to be others that will join in, and we as an organization are reaching out to all all members of Congress, working on from that place of common ground and trying to build more support for both parties to get behind this bill. But we are, we, we believe that the, you know, the bipartisan approach is, is really our best chance to, to move legislation like this, and, and uh, we expect even more of that to happen in the future. Opponents of a proposal like this, carbon tax, uh, carbon dividend, uh, say this would this could potentially harm the economy, since uh, you know a large percentage of uh, energy production came from comes from fossil fuels. What's what's the argument against that? Then I'll I'll turn to our economist on this as well. Sure. Um, well, the, so we we've had some economic modeling done, 
And what it shows is that actually you put a, a, a gradually increasing fee on carbon emissions, you put that you collect that money and then distribute it back to households as a dividend, keeping it revenue neutral, that actually that would create 2.1 million additional jobs over the next 10 years. And that's in growth, you know, that's in thanks to the growth in the clean energy economy for the development of, you know, renewables as well as energy efficiency businesses, et cetera. But they also see that, um, you know, it would, with more, with people having more money in their pockets, they have more money to spend. That stimulates the economy, um, you know, where the service industry would see more growth. And the modeling shows that the healthcare industry would also see more growth. But in reality, uh, the 2.1 million additional jobs over the next 10 years isn't a ton, but it's just a point to be made that this would not negatively affect the economy by putting a price on carbon emissions. And I'm sure Yoram could explain that even better than me. Yes, Dr. Bauman, uh, talk to me about the, I guess, some of the economics of a, of a carbon tax. Well, I think there, there are two things to keep in mind. One is some of the concerns that, that economists have are, are about the potential negative impacts of, of growing government. So what happens with the revenue from a carbon tax is a very important question. And, you know, most economists uh, would argue that, that one of the best things you can do with the revenue from a carbon tax is to return it to taxpayers in the form of dividends, in the form of offsetting tax cuts, uh, and, and that's a way to, to you know, to, to, to mitigate the, the economic impact. So that's, I think, a, a key part of it. The other key part of it, is, I, I think, is, you know, what is the case for that tax in the first place? And there's actually 100 years of a- economic uh, uh, research and theory that, that suggests that if you have a, a, a pollution issue, then you're going to end up with a market failure situation where, you know, a free market... Uh, approach is not going to lead to a, uh, a, an efficient outcome, to a, to a good outcome. You're going to end up with too much pollution. This is often called the tragedy of the commons, uh, and we can literally see it all around us uh, on many days. And uh, there are economic impacts associated with that, with that pollution. And so the economic idea is that the way to get less pollution is to make polluting expensive. The way you make polluting expensive uh, is to... Have something like a carbon tax, and then if you if you sort of recycle that revenue through a dividend, through tax cuts, is in a way to put money back into the pockets of households and businesses so that they can spend it in other sectors of the economy. Then the overall economic impacts uh, uh, should be very modest, possibly a little bit positive, uh, as Bill says. Let me turn to Tom Moyer um, and uh, Bill Barron has talked about this as well. You mentioned it earlier, uh, Tom Moyer. Uh, bipartisan. So I want to return to the politics of this. Uh, Citizens Climate Lobby is uh, focusing on trying to get bipartisan solutions to, to climate uh, problems. Uh, so talk about why. And and then it seems if you, you know, you read the popular press, uh, not a whole lot of bipartisanship on at least on climate change going on. Uh, so first of all, what why the focus on bipartisanship? Because we believe that's the only way we're going to make any meaningful progress. Have, we have to have both parties on board in order to do something that's actually going to matter and be durable. 
So without yeah. that, we're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I hear you. Um, so progress. Do you feel like you're making progress? As I mentioned, uh, you, 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 you just throw out the words climate change. And it can be a feeding frenzy. And, of course, uh, a lot of the media, you know, goes directly to, uh, you know, the the, uh, the, the verbal fisticuffs. Um, but hopefully behind the scenes there are people trying to work across the aisle. It, it maybe reassure me. Is that happening? Yeah, there is much more progress than, than one might uh, believe just looking at headlines and top-level news stories. In the last Congress, uh, Citizens Climate Lobby was involved in starting the the. Congressional Climate Solutions Caucus, and that grew to the point where just before the November elections, it had 45 Republicans and 45 Democrats in it. So that's almost 20 percent of the uh, the members of both both Republican and Democratic parties. Uh, the only Utah member of that caucus was Mia Love, um, who lost her election in November. At the state level, we passed uh, in the last Utah legislative session. Uh, what's called the Economic and Environmental Stewardship Resolution, which acknowledged the effect of climate change on Utah's economy and called for the state to start looking at ways to reduce emissions. I so believe you were, I think we, you were involved in that. We are very yeah. definitely moving the needle on the politics. Yeah, that's good. That's, uh, that's reassuring to hear. Um, uh, tell me, uh, maybe go into more depth on that resolution. So this resolution started, it was actually, uh, the first version of it was written by a group of high school students from Logan High, and it was written two years ago. It uh, made its way to a committee hearing the first year and failed on a tie five to five vote. So we put, along with the students, we put a a large amount of effort uh, into moving votes on that resolution last year. Uh, The language got changed. It was no longer uh, quite as directly uh, about climate change, um, but it certainly acknowledged the effects of climate change and called for action on them. Um, it's written more broadly to, to wrap in economic stewardship as well. And over the course of the year, uh, we were able to, to meet with about half of the legislature on this. And uh, those conversations, um, both the ones we were able to be in and the ones the students had with the legislators are, are starting to move minds on this. Mm. Uh, let me just throw this out to uh, any of our uh, panelists. Uh, just feel free to jump in. What um, w- what specifically would you like to see happen? Let's start the Utah legislature. What uh, what are there any bills uh, being proposed right now, or are that you would like to see uh, happen? Top of your list at the legislature this session. Yoram, you want to jump in on that one? Sure. So uh, there's going to be a uh, Terrific bill that's going to be introduced by Representative Joel Briscoe and hopefully co-sponsors that tries to tackle sort of three issues. One of those issues, uh, and if you think about the possibility that, that, uh, you know, we can get the Olympics again in 2030, uh, kind of teeing that up in terms of taking action on climate change, because it would be a little ironic to have the Winter Olympics in a state that didn't take climate issues seriously, uh, given the, the threat to snow sports in general that, you know, resulting from, uh, from global warming, uh, taking care of local air pollution issues, making progress on that is also uh, important. And then building an economy that works for everybody would be a great way to showcase 
you know, what we can do here in Utah and show leadership on that issue. So the, this was, is an update on a bill that Representative Briscoe and two Republican co-sponsors introduced last year. It was called House Bill 403. And uh, the basic idea is a modest carbon tax. Uh, so that's going to be the single most important thing that we can do to tackle climate change. So a modest carbon tax with 90% of the revenue going to reduce existing taxes, like eliminating the state sales tax on grocery store food, and 10% of the revenue going to uh, uh, fund programs to address local air pollution uh, and programs to uh, promote rural economic development. So uh, you can expect to hear more about that bill in the weeks ahead, and we're, uh, we've been working hard uh, uh, with Representative Briscoe uh, on developing that, that bill and sort of uh, polishing it up for this legislative session, and we're really excited to, to uh, try to push it forward in the, uh, in the session this year. All right, we'll, uh, we'll take a look at that, Representative Briscoe's bill. Uh, any others that uh, the, the Utah legislature? Yeah, I can mention a couple. Uh, yes. Uh, Ray Ward has a resolution he's running on uh, wildfire that's going to uh, address both uh, fuels management and climate change, and that's uh, number bill number HCR2. Uh, Steve Handy, Patrice Aaron, Evan Vickers have a rural renewable energy resolution. That's called HCR5. Uh, Kurt Bramble from Provo is, this one doesn't have a number yet, but he's going to do a resolution um, supporting nuclear power, small modular nuclear, and mentioning climate change. Um, Jeff Stenquist has a cash for clunkers bill that uh, was featured in the Salt Lake Tribune today that's going to take old vehicles off the road. Um, so there's a bunch that are that are going to be great bills. Oh, we'll, we'll track those as we uh, as we go along. Uh, Bill Barron, any any uh, you talked about the resolution uh, in the Congress. Uh, any any other specific legislation you'd like to mention that you're tracking? Your group is tracking um, in the Congress. Yeah, well, first of all, I just wanted to add, as far as the Utah efforts, that, you know, all these efforts that are going on at the state level really help build political will uh, for action in this area, more broadly speaking, and it's really helping normalize that conversation and allowing us to move beyond the, if it's happening, to what we can do about it phase. Um, <clears throat> I should clarify that you mentioned you described what's happening at the federal level as a resolution, and it's actually a bill. And the bill is, um, you know, as our organization has developed since its creation, we've always been focused specifically on federal legislation and our legislative proposal, which now is the bill that was introduced. So we're specifically focused on the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act because it's a bipartisan climate solution, and we really believe that that's the way to move forward. Um, there are other carbon bills out there that are going to be introduced uh, in the House and the Senate. Uh, they are um, they're not bipartisan at this point. And so we really believe that it's important to, you know, focus on that, what we see as a really important component, which is that bipartisanship and bridging the divide that we're seeing in our country today. Uh, but I do encourage your listeners to, you know, look at what's out there and, and look at the solutions that are being uh, delivered and to, you know, let their member of Congress know how they feel about it. And to, you know, we in meetings that we have time and again, the 
the um, members of Congress will tell us that they don't hear enough from the people. And I think this is a really valuable and important bill. And uh, ideally, we would like people to be reaching out to their member of Congress and asking them to support this bill. Uh, and if, if this bill isn't a fit for your listeners to, to look at the other bills that are coming out and uh, be speaking up about this urgent issue that we really uh, we have an opportunity to actually come together a lot around and really, uh, I think, uh, unify our country on something that affects us all and is, is you know, very important. Uh, by the way, uh, just it's just parenthetical. Um, the partial government shutdown is uh, is moving uh, into its second month. Um, I wonder if there are any effects on environmental issues, uh, you know, clean air or other environmental issues. Is the EPA out there working? Um, you know, for example, uh, uh, I don't know if anybody has any ideas on that. Yeah, the EPA is is one of the groups that's on furlough right now. So, nope, not a whole lot is happening. Okay, so that could, could be and some by potential the way, effects. Yeah. Utah's, uh, you know, the, the bulk of Utah's efforts to clean up its air depend on EPA action, right, on making cars cleaner over the years. Yeah, yeah. So if the EPA is not out there, uh, potential degradation of the air quality. Yeah, over the longer term, yeah. right, the, mm -hmm. the, we can survive in the short term. Um, one might argue that the EPA hasn't been doing a whole lot for the last two years, but uh, you know we need we need strong and vigorous action on air pollution over the long term to be able to continue making progress cleaning up the air. Yeah. Before we go to break, let me follow up with that. Uh, wh where are we with the? Uh, I, I know here in Cache Valley, there's uh, there's uh, you know th there was a recent uh, change in classification. I think. Um, where are we with uh, EPA's efforts in various areas in Utah? I'm not sure if any of the three of us are going to be able to give you great answers on that okay. question. I think none of us are close enough to that issue. Yeah. We'll follow up with, with that. Uh, let's go to break. Uh, and when we come back, um, I want to follow up on, uh, I think it was uh, Dr. Bauman mentioned uh, the governor's proposal and described it as good, but maybe not completely sufficient. Uh, we'll talk about that. And uh, I want to talk about maybe individual behaviors. We're talking about legislation here. That's the focus. But um, you got industry, you got, um, uh, you know, what, what uh, but, but you also have individuals, right? And uh, our decisions to drive or not drive and those kind of decisions. I want to talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, we'll have uh, more following the break. Before we go to break, just want to mention again, big event uh, coming up in Logan tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, in the Lundstrom Student Center on the USU campus. Uh, begins at 6 o'clock. It's a town hall panel discussion on the Me Too movement. We're titling this Me Too Continues. Where are we post-Kavanaugh, post-election? Hope you'll bring your comments and questions, uh, and we'll have the panel discussing. Hope to broaden that out to a town hall discussion. You're invited. That's tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, Lundstrom Student Center on the USU campus here in Logan. And on Monday, we'll be at the uh, Utah Legislature, be at the Capitol. We have the governor with us, legislative leaders, live broadcast from the Capitol, usual time, 9 a.m. on Monday. Hope you join us for that. More following the break. I'm Stephen Dubner. On the next Freakonomics Radio, how does creativity happen? You know, there's the expression, we get ideas. We don't get ideas, we make ideas. 
So what does it take to make ideas? It is a constant struggle with a very clear feeling that I am out of gas every day. That's next time on Freakonomics Radio. Coming up this morning at 10 o'clock. This week on Undisciplined, we're hosting a party, a science party. In our very first science news roundup, we'll be joined by an ecologist who researches frogs and an expert in decision-making who studies fear and a biologist who studies bees and a passionate science enthusiast who will be keeping us all on our toes. It's the January Science News Roundup on Undisciplined, Friday at 2. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We are uh, talking with three panelists who are involved in a Southern Utah Clean Air Forum that was held recently in St. George. Our guests include Dr. Yoram Bauman. He has a PhD in environmental economics. He's a leader in the carbon tax legislation. Um, and uh, he is an author and comedian. He is the world's first and only stand-up economist. Tom Moyer is leader of Climate Utah, the state effort associated with Citizens Climate Lobby's federal focus. Bill Barron is a former small business owner and Alta ski patroller and marshal. He campaigned for federal office as a climate candidate, founded Utah's first Citizens Climate Lobby chapter, is now its Mountain West Regional Coordinator. You're welcome to join the conversation with your uh, ideas, your uh, questions or comments. Uh, upraccess at gmail.com. Upraccess at gmail.com is our email. You can join us on Twitter as well, at upraccess. Or you can call us, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. I want to direct this to uh, Dr. Bauman. I think you brought this to our attention earlier in the conversation. Uh, Governor Herbert... Um, his uh, spokesperson says that uh, uh, he is suggesting more money than he ever has before in his budget, uh, suggested to the legislature $100 million uh, for clean air, uh, supporting efforts like replacing wood-burning stoves, adding more electric uh, car charging stations, uh, some other things. Uh, he's touting this as a top priority. $100 million, uh, I, you know, I guess at the state level, a lot of money. Um, what, what do you think about this? Uh, Dr. Uh, Bauman. I think it's a great step in the right direction. I think it's um, uh, probably more in line with kind of a down payment. Like it's going to take, uh, it's going to take a serious investment uh, of resources to tackle the, the air pollution problems that, that we have around here. Uh, if you think about replacing some of those wood stoves, if you think about, uh, you know, in, in incentive programs to get folks to trade in their gas-powered lawnmowers and leaf blowers and snow blowers for uh, electric models, um, think about replacing some of the freight switchers that Union Pacific has in their rail yards that are that are uh, quite polluting. Uh, you think about cleaning up school buses, a tremendous source of, of, of diesel pollution that affects both air quality in general as well as the specific uh, air quality, you know, around those schools, you know, you're uh, you can, you very quickly are, are exceeding that hundred million dollars budget. So I think it's a I think it's a great first step, and I think it's a, it's a sign of the sort of thing that that's going to have to happen continually. There should be a continual funding source to 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 push in in that direction. Uh, so Tom Moyer, any any thoughts on the governor's proposal? Yeah, like your M, I, I think it's wonderful, and I think uh, it's a great first step towards doing more um there there's almost an unlimited list of things you could find to uh to move pieces of the economy bit by bit towards cleaner uh 
cleaner energy sources. Mm. Uh, I'll just throw this out to uh, any in the panel that want to, to, to take this first. Um, I'm wondering, you know, there's a lot of contributors to air pollution, right? There's industry, there's um, uh, the cars we drive. Uh, here in Cache Valley, you know, a bit of it is the, the cows. Um, um, so I, I want to concentrate on the individual piece, the decisions that you and I make every day. Um, what, uh, how big a part of, uh, maybe I should direct this to Dr. Uh, Dr. Bauman first, economist. How big a piece is that? Uh, is, is industry a bigger piece or, or am I a bigger piece than maybe I think of uh, in this? You know, I, I think it's, I don't know the, the specifics for, for, uh, for Cache County, but I can, uh, my, my guess is, and I know that this is true elsewhere, that industry is a relatively smaller part of it, and, and individual behavior, um, driving homes, what are called area sources, uh, are, are a, a huge part of it. And part of that is because the Clean Air Act the Federal Clean Air Act that the EPA enforces tends to target the industrial sources. And so since the Clean Air Act was passed in the 70s, the industrial sources have, have become a lot cleaner. Uh, you know, there's still progress that they could make. But as with climate issues, with local air pollution, a, a lot of it is just the fact that there's millions of us around. And if everybody contributes a, a, a little bit of pollution, then uh, pretty soon you have uh, you have a problem. And I think that's that might be part of the problem, right? That um, you know, just just little old me, I'm I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, if I idle my car or whatever, I'm contributing, but it's just a little bit, right? But then we add it all together. Well, yeah, it's it's always easier to point the finger at somebody else and say, uh, you know, they should clean up. It's like the you know, my favorite Onion headline was 98% of Americans support public transportation for other people. <laughs> uh, so it, it, is, it is easy to, it, it's easier if somebody else is causing the problem. It's a little harder to look in the mirror and say, hey, we all, uh, we're all contributing to this in, in a little way. And we can all take steps both individually and collectively to, to, to make it better. Mm. Uh, uh, Tom Moyer or Bill Barron, I don't know if you want to jump in on this. I guess it's, uh, you know, if you go to a meeting of the Citizens Climate Lobby, it's a self-selecting group, and uh, but, but I don't know what people you talk to um, are maybe motivated in their individual lives to, uh, to yeah, make an individual solution. Yeah, there, I mean, we'd have to talk about both issues, the air pollution issue and the climate change issue, right, which, which are related but not exactly identical. On air pollution... Uh, for Utah, the number one source is vehicles, right? It's more than half of the total air pollution generated in, in our airsheds. But you also have to remember that not all vehicles are equal, right? Older vehicles and out-of-tune vehicles contribute a, a vastly disproportionate share. So in addition to each of us driving our vehicles less, uh, there's also needs to be a move to get the older vehicles off the road or tuned up and convert those to newer vehicles and electric vehicles. Mm. Um, which are in inherently much, much cleaner. So on climate change, yeah, we're absolutely all uh, focused not only on how we can move the needle politically, but also how we can walk the walk. So I live in a net zero home, generate more solar than, than we use uh, over the course of the year, and we heat electrically in our house. So 
uh, as close to a, a fossil fueled house as you can, fossil fueled free house as you can have. Uh, everything works well. Sometimes uh, solar gets a bad rap of, uh, you know, uh, not working sometimes. Oh, we we absolutely depend on Rocky Mountain Power to fill in the gaps. We don't generate as much as our usage in the winter, and we are giving power back to the grid in the summer. So so we need that backstop to be there. But no, other than that, it's wonderful. Mm. Uh, Bill Barron, it was, we start to wind down, just have about three minutes left. I want to give uh, all of our panelists a chance for some last words here. You um, Obviously, these issues are very important to you. You... Um, you know, you, you founded Utah's first Citizens Lo- uh, Climate Lobby chapter. You ran for office as the climate candidate. Uh, what would you most hope people take away from this conversation today? Uh, I would say two things. And the first thing is that we have a bill that's uh, really important, I believe, from all the work that I've been doing over the years uh, that I think is worth considering supporting. Uh, the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act uh, is is the one to check out, in my opinion, energyinnovationact.org. Um, but I also, you know, I appreciate you bringing up my campaign. You know, that was me wanting to walk my talk. Um, I'm not a comfortable person in big audiences and crowds, and I realized that this issue is so important to me that I had to sort of step outside my comfort zone to to do what I thought was important. And I see from my work with Citizens Climate Lobby that there are numerous people who do that. They go a little bit out of their comfort zone to speak up for this important issue, and we're seeing it having an effect in creating change. And, uh, you know, for me, I went from being a terrified citizen who thought that politicians were bigger than me uh, to going to meetings and realizing that they're people too, and we should be having conversations with them about what's important to us. And it allowed me to have this breakthrough where I went from, uh, you know, an average citizen to thinking, well, I can run against people and speak up for what's important to me and create the conversation that I felt needed to be had. And now we are seeing changes happening. We have a bill that's bipartisan that's introduced today and uh you know it's it's important i think for all of us to weigh in on what's important in our own uh concerns with climate and and to you know speak up and and create that change on an individual level as well as i try to walk my own talk i just wanted to add by putting solar on my own house and trying to do what i can to use less individually as well but I think there needs to be a component of, you know, what you can do as an individual, but really, um, you know, weighing in on federal legislation or weighing in on state legislation or weighing in on city and municipal resolutions supporting clean energy, whatever it may be, is a way that we collectively can build more political will uh, and really influence uh, the trajectory of our energy use here in the United States moving forward. Just have about uh, 30 seconds uh, each. Um, uh, uh, Takeaway from uh, Dr. Bauman. You know, I actually just want to mention that I'm going to be coming up to Logan this coming Wednesday, January 30th. I'm going to be from 9.30 to 10.30 in the morning doing some comedy and talking more about these issues at the Logan City Council Chambers. So it's Wednesday, January 30th at 9.30 
to 1030. Uh, it's free. There's going to be refreshments served, so I encourage all your listeners to come to that. Okay, sounds like a great event. Uh, that's on Wednesday, um, ne- next Wednesday, right? Um, and uh, last word, uh, 30 seconds uh, to Tom Moyer. Yeah, the number one thing I would ask of your listeners is call your legislators. Call your federal legislators, call your state legislators, call your city council members. Ask them for action on climate. If you don't remember anything else about individual actions you can take, that is the number one. All right, good place to end the conversation. We've been talking with Dr. Yoram Bauman. Uh, he is a Ph.D. in environmental economics. Uh, he's an author and comedian, world's first and only stand-up economist. You can, uh, if you're in Logan, you can uh, see him, what would you say, Dr. Bauman, 9 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday the 30th. Uh, the 9.30 in the morning on Wednesday the 30th. 9.30, okay. You can, uh... At the, My website is standupeconomist.com for details. Okay, great. Uh, Tom Moyer is a leader of Climate Utah. That's associated with Citizens Climate Lobby. And Bill Barron is uh, Mountain West Regional uh, Coordinator for Citizens Climate Lobby. Uh, gentlemen, thank you to you all. Thanks, Thanks for having us on. And uh, just another uh, plug, you can go to our website for details, but a uh, big event in uh, Logan. Hope you'll come uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, 6 p.m., Lundstrom Student Center. Me Too continues the discussion on Me Too movement and related topics, free pizza, free parking, and uh, hope you'll come. Thanks for listening to Access Utah Today. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM Logan. Also heard online at upr.org.